Philippians. Let's go to chapter number 14. Chapter number 14 in your Bibles. First uh, Corinthians. I'd like to try to get through about half the chapter tonight. <clears throat> Sorry. My throat was perfectly fine until I got in the pulpit this morning. It was the weirdest thing in the world, so I don't know what, what's going on with it, but we'll be all right. First Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, let's go ahead and read. We'll read the whole passage that we're going to be looking at tonight. Try to read through verse number 20 and then pray and we'll get going here on the verse-by-verse um, studies. First Corinthians 14, 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except ye interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, brethren, I come unto you speaking with tongues, excuse me, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak unto you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. And even the even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be what is how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, forasmuch as ye are jealous of, of, zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, that let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray with an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that entereth the, occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving a thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also, than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you tonight, and I pray as we look at these verses that you would help us, Lord, to get... To get as far through this as you'd have us to, I'd like to cover it all if we can, but I sure don't want to rush it and, and miss, uh, miss the teachings, and I pray, God, you'd help me to be able to make this clear, uh, clear plain, uh, that you'd give us the good, sound doctrine that we need, and then some spiritual application even to our lives, Father, so we can leave here uh, better off than we came, and uh, helped, strengthened, fed, growing in Jesus Christ one little bit, one service at a time. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this chapter goes into detail um, in correcting the misuse of tongues. So this is a very key passage in your Bible when you're dealing with the whole controversial issue of tongues and the charismatic movement and all the rest of that. So this one is going to help you out a lot if you can grab a hold of what we're teaching here and what the Bible's teaching here. 
If you can really get the concept and understand what is being taught, it's going to help you a lot with all that confusion. So Paul launches in in verse number 1, and he's, he's just got done telling them what Christian charity was, right? In verse 13. And in verse number 1, he says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. So first of all, I see two commandments right out the gate. The first commandment is to follow after charity. So you'll notice charity is a path to walk in. Uh, look at chapter 12, verse 31. He says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent what? Oh, so charity is not a gift. Well, I just don't have that gift. I'm just, I just, I just don't have, no, charity is a way to live. Charity is a walk. So it's not a matter of whether or not you're gifted to be a charitable Christian. It's, oh, they're just more charitable than I am. No, when, when it comes to some of the gifts, um, then that's okay. There's an argument there. That's not my gift. I'm not as gifted as that brother. Okay, so why haven't you led more souls to Jesus Christ? Well, I'm not as gifted at it as he is. He leads more people to Christ. He's got a gift in that area. That's the gift of evangelism. Okay, so then the question I ask you is, are you trying? Are you being a witness? Maybe you don't have the gift of an evangelist, but we're all commanded a witness because witnessing is a way. It's a lifestyle. So you can pass out a gospel track. You can talk to your neighbors. You can talk to your coworkers. You can talk to your friends. You can plant that seed. You can be somewhere in that process. You see the difference? So there's a way of life, which is what we're supposed to be as Christians, and charity is a way. It's not a gift. So that's how you're supposed to walk. That's how you're supposed to live. And he says it in the second part of verse number one, and desire spiritual gifts. Those are acts, okay? The acts of the apostles, why does God give you the acts of the apostles? Well, because it was the apostles' acts. We don't all, we're not all able to do the things the apostles were doing. It's the acts of the apostles because God, Jesus Christ, left with the apostles some special gifts to do some special things, some sign gifts. So, so the gifts are an act. So in other words, you know, you got a gift to sing, all right, if you're gifted in that area. Um, not everybody's gifted in that area. Sorry to just sorry to tell you that. It's just kind of hard pill to swallow, especially when you really want to be the singer and you ain't. It's only a blessing to you, but it ain't a blessing to everybody else. Understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So, so the act. So you know that's an act. Somebody gets up and sings like the girl sang this morning. That's an act. Well, now watch this. Be careful here. You can do the act. And even have a gift to, to, to perform the act without a walk. Does that make sense? But if your walk is right, if your walk is first, if the most important thing to you is your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're following the way that he'd have you to walk, then guess what's going to happen with time? Your acts are going to come out. How can you follow Jesus Christ, live your life 100% for him, Walk with him, do and be what you want, what he wants you to do and be. I mean, 100% given to following Jesus Christ and walking with him. Are you with me? How can you 100% walk with God through the Holy Spirit, in the word of God, the way God have you, and not have the acts of God come out in your life? You understand what I'm saying? The spiritual gifts come with time. They will come. They will naturally come. The Bible says a man's gift maketh room for him. That's why I say what I say when it comes to, I mean, I know I was pretty harsh in the last couple of weeks towards preachers. Like, it's not my job to hook you up just because you're called to preach. I said it in the preacher. I said, oh, so you're called up. What's that to me? 
I'm, I'm called to preach. But okay, good. I mean, listen, I think, I think it's awesome when God calls a guy to preach. I am on your side. I'm in your corner. We're on the same team. We're in the same fight. You're a fellow soldier. All the rest of that stuff, that is wonderful. I respect it. I love it. I'm here to help it. I'm here to facilitate it in every way that I can. You understand what I'm saying? It's the spirit of, I'm called to preach, brother. Where's my chance? What is that to me, man? I'm not here to give you your chance. If you want to grow in Jesus Christ and God's put a gift and a calling on your life, then let's walk together and let God do what God's doing in your life. You'll confirm that calling between you and God, which is something you have to do. You will not make it in your gift and calling, especially if that gift and calling is to be a pastor, a preacher, a missionary, an evangelist. You will not make it unless you got that thing nailed down between you and God. And God has revealed to you between you and him that God called you to do that. And God's going to open up doors for you. And God's going to use you. And God's going to lead you. And God's going to guide you. Once that's proven between you and God and God begins to show that and, and your walk begins to evidence those gifts to the rest of the church... Now we can get behind you. Do you understand, Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the, the gifts, the acts need to flow out of the walk. The problem with baby Christians in carnal churches, everybody's all about the acts. They're all about the, the position, the title, the prominence of, you know, I just, brother, I just love preaching, man. God does something for me when I preach. Okay, great. <laughs> That's what preaching is, huh? It's all about God doing something for you. Do you understand the faultiness of that concept? I'm going to let him preach, brother, because I want to encourage him. Okay, if that's how you want to train preachers, then that's your business. You'll answer to God for it. But when and if you grow up and figure figure out what this thing is all about, the last thing you need to do is just give a preacher a pulpit to encourage him. Amen. He needs to figure out. Did you guys know, you know Charles Haddon Spurgeon? Phenomenal preacher. Pastored thousands of people, led, led tens of thousands of souls to Christ in his life and ministry. Did you know that man suffered? I mean, and I mean suffered in his personal life with unbelievable amounts of depression. Like mentally struggled on a huge level. That came in his early 20s when he was preaching, had a packed amphitheater full of people, and some clown goofball idiot thought it'd be funny to scream fire, and seven people died that night from the stampede of people trying to get out of the room. And it threw him in his 20s into such great depression, he didn't understand how and why and why God and how could that happen, and it bothered him so bad, it broke him mentally, and he never was able to ever pull back out of his depression. That's why it's so significant when he said, when he gave up smoking cigars because they were using his name and, and, and he saw a sign using his name, the brand Spurgeon Smokes, and he said, I need to stop smoking cigars. He didn't know back then it was bad for him like we know because one of his ways, his coping mechanisms, he said, you need to take a good walk in the countryside if you struggle with depression and you need to smoke a good cigar. <laughs> That's what did it for him. He'd go out and take a walk, smoke a cigar, and he felt better. And then he'd go to a warmer climate in the bad times, of the gloomy times of the year to get away and get some sunshine, and it helped him. You know how much he struggled? God, God was on him. God was using him. And he struggled on a massive level in his personal life. You think about that. For all this prop them up. Make a, give people an opportunity to serve the Lord and give them a position and give them a title because we want to encourage them. We want them to stay. We don't want them to leave. That ain't the real thing, man. That's how to build a church that's weak 
and frail and about to come unglued. That is not how to build a slow, steady, strong work of God as God does the work over the years, as the years drag on, slowly but surely building what God wants us to build. The gifts are not about you or encouraging you. The gifts are about everybody else. And that's what he's going to show us in 1 Corinthians 14. As he dives into the tongue issue, he's going to show them the issues that they have in the way that they're handling tongues. He said, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Verse 2, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, notice that, speaketh in an unknown tongue, that is a language. We got, as far as I know, we got three or four people in our church that can speak in tongues. Uh, Miss Lisey's one, she can speak in two. Uh, Brother Ethan's another one, he can speak in four, Right. Um, Siham and Jihan, I believe, can speak in at least two, maybe, maybe a third, right? Do they have two over there? Two or so, three languages, right? I think. So we got, we got four people I know of for sure. So she can speak in a couple languages. That, that, do you understand what a point I'm making? Those are tongues. That's what it is. I'm not going to run the references with you. I started to, to show, and I was like, you know what? It's going to take too long if I do. When you study tongues in the Bible, unknown tongues mean unknown to you. Or unknown to the person you're trying to speak to. Unknown tongues are not some heavenly language that just like doesn't exist anywhere on the planet. Unknown tongues are you don't know that language. And God miraculously through the miracle of God's power gives you an ability to speak a language you don't know. Or gives the person listening to you while you're speaking in another language the ability miraculously to hear in their own language. That is biblically what tongues are. And you can run the references. You will see that's what's happening. They were used to get the gospel to the lost. They were used to provoke Israel to anger, to frustrate Israel, to make them jealous because the gifts of God had fallen on the Gentiles. What you see going on in the charismatic movement nowadays is not the gift of tongues according to the Bible. Verse number two, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. So they're going to use this one on you, okay? They're going to say, see, we, we pray to God in an unknown tongue. What we're doing is we're doing it to the glory of God, but they're missing what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to prophesy. I'd rather that you prophesy. The reason I'd rather you prophesy, we'll see it as we go through the passage over and over again, is because it edifies the people hearing you. I want them to be helped. I want them to be encouraged. I want them to get something out of it. I want them to grow in Jesus Christ and understand their doctrine and understand their Bible. I want them to get comforted. And if you're speaking in an unknown tongue, he wasn't saying like we say, which drives them away from us. We could probably reach a few more charismatics because some of the charismatics that are out there are actually honestly deceived. They're not demon-possessed people that are crazy. Now, some of them probably are, okay? I've ran into them. I, I hate to say this because I'm not God and I certainly don't want to understand, but I sort of feel like as much experience as I've had with them, I've kind of dialed it in a little bit to sort of have a little bit of, maybe, maybe a little bit of judgment on whether or not I'm dealing with somebody that really wants it or doesn't. And, and, and they have some signals they give that it's pretty quick, it's pretty easy to say, listen, we're not doing that here. If that's what you want, Find another church, okay? And I get that way with some of them. But, but I don't think we should be that way all the time because a lot of very genuine, 
very sincere Christians are very confused about this subject. Paul did not go at them saying, you've fallen prey to a demonic spirit. He didn't go at them saying, look at you, you're doing the wrong thing the wrong way, and you're full of the devil, and the devil's, this is all the devil, and God's not in this. He said, if you are really speaking in an unknown tongue, and nobody understands what you're saying, and you don't understand what you're saying, you're edified, you're encouraged by it because you're doing something, so that helps you, but you're only speaking to God, you're really not getting any benefit from it, they're really not getting any benefit from it, I'm glad you're encouraged, you selfish little Christian you. It's all about you, right? He's saying, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. His point as we go through here is, I want other people to get help. I want you to be a charitable Christian. I want you to take what God's given you and give it to somebody else. I want you to be a body that works together. I want you to help each other. You need each other. Ain't we figured that out in the last couple of weeks? I mean, you need each other, man. And he's saying that's the point of this thing. Jesus Christ loves his bride. Stop being so selfish. Stop thinking it's all... Folks, I'm sick of it. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm sick of it. I see it a lot in Bible-believing churches. Just, it's just all about, you know, who the preacher is. You know, all about, the, all about who's the deacon, who's the chairman of the whatever board. I'm sick of it, man. Well, I've been teaching Sunday school for 50 years. Well, so what? I mean, honestly, so what? If that's your attitude, if you've been teaching Sunday school for 50 years, ministering, that's tremendous. Honor to whom honor is due. There's a difference between I've been ministering in the Sunday school classrooms for 50 years. And man, it's been a blessing. And trying to be a blessing, trying to help them kids get a hold of God and get a hold of the truth. That's a big difference between that. And I've been teaching Sunday school for 50 years. You ain't learned nothing. It's all about you, and I'm glad you're encouraged that you've been doing it. That's not the attitude Paul has in this passage. He said, For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, what he's saying in context is not that he has mysteries from God that he's speaking in the Spirit. That's how they read it. What he's saying is, you're speaking in an unknown tongue and nobody knows what you're talking about, not even you. So it's a mystery. Do you get the difference? Do you see how the charismatics look at that? Does that make sense? And when they look at it from that mindset and that perspective and they trigger your mind when you look at it and that's where your mind's at, you get stumped up on that passage. But if you stop and back off and just say, okay, let me look at it in context. Let me run this down here. Just give me a second. Just be quiet for a second. Let me look at the Bible. Just shut up. And you look at it, right? It's very obvious. He's just saying, you don't know what you're talking about and they don't either, so it's really a mystery. They think they're speaking mysteries in their prayers to God and mysterious things in the spirit world are going on because I had this prayer closet and I'm praying in an unknown tongue. And I had one tell me one time, he said, listen, if you can prove to me from the Bible that I'm wrong. Prove it to me from the Bible. I'll change. I said, you promise? He said, I promise. I said, meet me at the coffee shop. We were still in the storefront back then. Meet me at the coffee shop and I'll show you. We got into that meeting, man. We, got just, we just got 30 minutes in and he starts losing his temper. I said, you, prom- you said you promised me if I could show you from the Bible that you'd change and you'd b- match the Bible and you'd admit your experiences were wrong. I know what I felt. 
Brother, I was vacuuming the other day and the Spirit of God fell on me and I fell down at the foot of my steps and lifted up holy hands and started speaking in tongues and I was praying in an unknown tongue and the Spirit was speaking mysteries in me and you're not going to get... Before long, before long, when I just stayed calm and stayed on him, might have been using a little bit of sarcasm. Could have been pushing a button or two. He's like... I'm going to beat you. i got to leave. I'm going to beat your head in if I don't get I'm just. I'm going to beat your head in. You know, I was in prison. Okay, savage. I said, really full of the Spirit of God, aren't you? He grabbed his stuff and walked out. His wife had to come pick him up and give him a ride because he didn't have a driver's license. Because it had been taken from him. I'm not bashing on a guy who had a hard time. I'm bashing on a guy whose life still ain't matching up and thinks he's full of the Spirit of God and will not reject his experience based on the Bible. You see what I'm saying? The stuff gets messed up. Why? Because they will not reject what it is they know they've experienced. So their mind gets twisted when they look at it, but when you look at it in black and white, you know exactly what it's saying. Verse number 3, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation, and comfort. Three things God wants to bring out of it. He wants you to get edified. That is built up. You know that if you just keep coming to church and keep opening your Bible and keep doing your devotions and keep praying with time, you know what God does? He builds you up. The devil tries to break you down, but that's what we were preaching about this morning. God will allow him to push it as far as he knows you can take. And then you get to the bottom and you turn to him and guess what he does? He starts the healing process and he builds you back up and you're stronger than you were. It's edification. Exhortation. That's to stir you up and excite you. Uh, that's, that's part of preaching. You should get stirred up a little bit. Preachers should get stirred up. Preachers commanded to stir up the gift of God that's in him. And comfort. You see the three different things? Man, we need comfort. You know that? I mean, that thing's all over the New Testament. About the comfort of God. Comfort one another with these words. The comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And you need comfort, man. And that's, what, that's what's supposed to happen when you come to church. Somebody just pops up and starts blabbering on about something. you got no idea what they're talking about. You're looking around weirded out in the room. Like, what in the world's going on here? It doesn't do you any good at all. It might help the guy doing it because he feels really good about himself. Man, the Holy Ghost fell on me. Oh, man, I couldn't take it. That really, that was a blessing to me. Okay, you were a blessing to yourself, but people that are lost, because it talks in the passage, we read it about the unlearned. They look at you and think you lost your stinking mind, man. I, I care a little bit about what the community thinks of me. Now, I'm not worried about my reputation, so to speak. Jesus Christ made himself a no reputation. I am worried about my testimony. I'm told that I'm supposed to have a good report of them which are without, lest I fall into reproach and snare of the devil. I do care what the community... That's why we cut the grass out here. That's why last year we started treating the lawn. Fertilizing it. Killing the dandelions. Because all these other people around here that spent all this big money on their houses, they treat their lawns and they got irrigation systems and their lawns mean a little stuff. They work hard. You say, oh, that's just carnal stuff. Hey, listen, fine. Be super spiritual, but I would like to reach some people, if that's all right. And, and that's the spirit of man in them. And I got the spirit of man in me. We're going to look at that in a minute. And so God put us in this community, so we mow the grass and we weed whip. And we kill the dandelions. 
And we fix up the building as we can. And we pick up the garbage. Amen. That's okay. I want, you understand what I'm talking about? But if you got this wacky mess going on when they walk in, I'm not saying we're not going to praise the Lord and say amen. I'm not saying don't shout when God gets moving in the service. I'm talking about that stuff that's where it's all about you showing off how spiritual you are. And it's obnoxious. It's all about you. The point here is about edifying everybody. Verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Doesn't exhort himself, doesn't comfort himself, but he edifies himself. Oh, okay, good. I'm glad you're happy. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now, prophesying is, a, is an important thing to understand. Um, you got to grab a hold of the fact that uh, all these New Testament authors that are writing the books of the New Testament, all those guys prophesied. And, and they prophesy all the way out there to John. In, in Revelation 19.10, he says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophesying is foretelling the future. And when you prophesy, you don't just prophesy for yourself. You broadcast the prophecy. You preach the prophecy, right? Like the Old Testament prophets did. Now, now here's the thing about prophesying. If it's already been written, if the amen's already been written, if the prophecy all the way out into eternity future has already been given, why do you need to prophesy? Outside of what's here. Does that make sense? I can prophesy because all these guys prophesied and they wrote their prophecies down. But I don't need to come up with a new prophecy because the canon of Scripture has been closed. I think a great illustration is this. You're not in a million years going to find Mike Reagan writing a book on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Do you want to know why? There's one already done. And it's really, really, really good. I have nothing to add to it. You want a good one? Buy Dr. Ruckman's. It covers it all. You're not going to find Mike Reagan writing a book on the King James Bible, on manuscript evidence. Why? I mean, you think I can compete with Gail Ripplinger and Dr. Ruckman? The books have already been written. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's like hilariously goofy. I'm not trying to pick on nobody, but it's like, come on, man, really? You, th- you think we're... You think th- okay. Why not just use what's already been given to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Spend your time, effort, and energy somewhere that God leads you, something God does in you, something God does through you. Just back up what they did. Why can't you back up what somebody else did? If God got in it, why can't you get behind it and just say, God got in that. that that's really good. Read, there's, I got a great book for you on rightly dividing. I ain't writing nothing on rightly dividing. What's wrong with David Walker's stuff on rightly dividing? Find a problem with it. You can't. (laughs) I'm not writing nothing on that. Why should I? I'll buy his. I'll tell you to go buy. I have told you to go buy his. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look, man, if Almighty God has given us the full prophecy running all the way through the tribulation, through the millennial kingdom, off into eternity future, why am I going to start prophesying to you? I'm going to prophesy from that book, open that thing up, and I'm going to preach like the prophets preached from that book what the prophets prophesied. And I got the testimony of Jesus, so I can tell you where I'm going when I die. I can tell you what's going to happen next, like a rapture, then a tribulation period, then a millennial kingdom. I can prophesy to you, but I'm not doing it the way the charismatics do it because it ain't biblical. Making sense? So what we're doing tonight, we're prophesying to you. And it edifies you. It helps you. It helps you, helps you 
tune those voices out and understand they don't know what they're talking about and get the answers to your questions when you run into them or your family members or your friends or some of you are dealing with folks that are charismatics and, and you're trying to reach them and they're good people, but you know, you, you might not be able, you might not be the one called and gifted to be able to lay this stuff out so you can send them this message. Here, listen to this. It'll help you. It answers some questions. If you've got more questions, come talk to my preacher. Why? We're trying to help people, not trying to run them off. We're trying to help them. Now, if the stinking knucklehead wants to come in here and make our church be what he wants it to be, he's going to get his head busted. you understand what I'm saying? That ain't happening. Hallelujah. You know that guy that showed up in the church just a few weeks ago was demanding money? We ditched it at a gas station on the way back because we were about out of gas. This dude pulls in in a car. He runs over to the lady at this gas station. She obviously said no. He comes over to my wife's door. She was in the, in the gas station with the key. So she walks, he walks up to my wife's door, and I went like this, coming to my door. And he walks around to my door, opened my door, and he says, You got any money to help out a vet in Jesus' name? I said, Not today, bro. He said, Not today? I said, Can't today. He walked away. Same guy. He walks over to a couple. Of, I don't think he remembered who I was, but he saw my Bible on the dashboard. My time. I don't think he remembered who I was. Walks over to the guys over there. Say, Listen, man, you don't come in here with an stinking agenda. You understand that? We'll sniff him out so fast it ain't even funny. But when somebody comes in wanting truth, this is this is the place for them, man. Long as it takes as much effort and energy as we got to give, we'll give it to help somebody who wants truth to build them up to give them the answers from the Bible. All right, so God wants to edify the church. Now watch verse 5, and we're gonna, it'll start moving quicker here, so don't lose hope. Look at verse 5. Here's another one they use that can be confusing. I would that ye all spake with tongues. Paul said he would that ye all spake with tongues. Exactly, Brother Mike. He said, but that's languages. Exactly. It's not what they're doing. That's his point. But wait. They don't look at the next two words. But rather... That ye may prof- that ye prophesied. So what he's saying is, listen, I'm not trying to stop you from having the gifts of God. I would y'all have gifts. I would y'all got out there and witnessed to people and got souls saved. But but I really rather. You know what he's saying? The gift of tongues ain't that big of a deal. Why is it that they're all obsessed with the gifts of tongues? Why is that the one that always takes the forefront? I don't get it. Obviously, it must be that healings get pretty smoked out pretty quick. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, there's hospitals you could go in and you could prove that one real fast for us. We'd appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people would appreciate that. Idiot. Liar. Demonic liar. So, obviously, that one's too easy to sniff out. So, you can't prove that that blah, 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 blabber, blabber, blabber junk ain't God. And so, it's an easier one to hide. Paul said, I'm not trying to stop you from speaking in tongues, but what I'd rather you do is prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. They can't, they can't read, can they? You know what they're saying? I'm the least in the church. I got the gift of tongues. Evidence that you're saved, you better make sure you get the gift of tongues. Paul said that's the least one. But you're all obsessed with it. These guys were obsessed with it. They're still obsessed with it today. Something's, there's something about it. Something weird about it. it. It's because you drag all the attention in the room on yourself. You get all the eyeballs on you. And you actually get yourself promoted. And it just makes you feel good to be the guy. That's what it is. It's human nature. 
Greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. So obviously they weren't interpreting. Now, brethren, I come unto you speaking with tongues. If I come unto you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you, except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? So Paul's point, as we keep going through here, he keeps hammering home the point, I want you to profit. I want you to profit. Speaking in tongues doesn't profit the church. I want you to get better. I want you to get help. I want to minister to you. I want to teach you. I want you to grow. Verse 7, And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall, be it, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So these are pretty self-explanatory. What Paul's doing, for those of you that are preachers, what he's doing is he's using an illustration to make his point. It's, it's obvious right there. The Bible will teach you to preach if you just study the Bible, right? And then copy the way God does things, it'll work. So he's using an illustration. The illustration is a musical instrument. Listen, if I sit down at the piano, it's going to sound like a two-year-old. It's horrible, Okay? And I goof around every once in a blue moon, but it doesn't last long because it's like, stop, honey, please. I'm on the phone. I got a headache. And that's definitely making it worse because it makes no sense. When I get on a musical instrument, when a two-year-old gets on a musical instrument, it makes no sense. I mean, Anna was always just attracted to any, any musical instrument that made noise. You know, and I remember when she was real little, she'd sit there and she'd bang on it. You know, whenever she got around one at my mom's house or whatever, she'd be banging on that piano. It was horrible. Thank God it's definitely changed in the last 18 years for sure. But it was bad. Why? Because they're not making any sense. There's no distinction in the sound. There's no notes. There's no structure to it. That's the point Paul's making. When you're just blabbering in unknown tongues, it's not doing anybody any good because there's no structure to what you're saying. There's no clarity. There's no teaching. There's nothing that's helping anybody. He's simply using an illustration. But you'll notice that there's different voices in the world. In verse, look at verse 9, and we'll get there next in verse number 10. So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. So it's literally pointless. Like, what difference did it make? There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he, shall be, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Very clear, very simple. He says, listen, there's different voices in the world. Okay? Listen, man, there's something about uh, getting up early, going out sitting on your porch, and just hearing them birds start singing to each other. You can hear them chipmunks and squirrels talking back and forth. Me and Gracie went on a walk a little while ago, and we're coming up the road, and man, the, the demon-possessed squirrels, man. They, they, one of them, my neighbor come over, he had his, his knees all blown out. He had a uh, biking accident, and uh, he's in the late 40s, and he was out motorbiking or something and blew his knee out real bad. He needs surgery, so all the way up. Two stories up, his he had this huge ladder and had to set it on the corner of the house. And the squirrels had gotten up there and ate through his eve and they were up in his attic and stuff. So he wanted me to get up there and uh, block that hole off for him. And so I'm, I'm, I, them things are just demon possessed. I'm watching them across the street on my neighbor's house. They climb up his little tree and they jump on his roof and they're running around his house. 
and I'm thinking there's like two or three of them up there. Grace and I are sitting like, oh, these things are so bad. Like they chew through everything. They get into your attic. They burn your house down. They chew your wires. I mean, it's just a nightmare, right? We're walking back, and I'm seeing another one of them demon-possessed things sitting up there in the peak. But he's making a noise I didn't even know they made. It was kind of cool. And, and on this side, I hear one in the trees answering that one, and they're, they're talking back and forth. I'm just like, you know, I just call them demon-possessed and all that stuff, but that's just me being annoyed by them. Thank God there's no trees around my house, and uh, when neighbors aren't looking, pellet guns might be going off. I don't know if there were, but... but I'm looking at, I'm thinking, like, it's weird how they, they're talking to each other. It's different voices in the world. It's pretty cool, ain't it? Now, now wait a minute. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse 11. <clears throat> For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things that God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, this is going to be important to grab a hold of because I'm going to show it to you as we finish up the, the verses we're going to cover tonight. As a man, I can speak by the Spirit of a man. You understand that, right? That's not a demonic spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. As a man, I can speak as a man. When we talk about sports, I'm speaking as a man. When I give you my opinion, when I tell you something of, you know, based on my life experience, based on how I see it, whatever, I'm speaking as a man. It's the spirit of man. How was your day? How are things going? Good or bad? When we're talking about that, oh, that's good to hear. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm praying for you. I, it's the spirit of a man. A man can speak in a man's spirit. Do you know that even when it comes to the things of God, you can do that into the spirit of a man? Now, you can also speak when you're prayed up, yield to the Holy Ghost, and speaking according to Scripture, the Spirit of Almighty God can be coming out of your mouth. That's weird, ain't it? Speaking by the Spirit of God. You think that you're witnessing, you're speaking it, you're, that person's getting convicted and it's your spirit doing it? You think about that a minute. You think it's your spirit doing it. You're prayed up, yielded to the Holy Ghost to God and given them Bible and you're speaking by your spirit? No, you ain't. That's not the spirit of a man. That's the new birth in you. That's the spirit of God in you. You can speak... As you know, some people have spoken to us recently as it's by the Spirit of God. It's a comfort. It's a blessing. It's a help. People say it all the time, like, man, I just don't know what to say. You know, I wish I knew what to say. And, and what they don't know, because of the Spirit of God in them and that, that brotherly bond in them, what they don't know is they're saying it. Pretty wild, ain't it? I wish I, I, sometimes it's just a text. I wish I knew what to say praying for you. You said it. It's God. It's encouraging. It's comforting. It's helpful. See that? Now wait. Hang on. That same tongue, the same body, can have three different spirits on it. It can have the spirit of man. Talk about jujitsu. Spirit of man. UFC. Spirit of man. Football. Spirit of man. Your day, your work, whatever. Spirit of man. Your family. Spirit of man. It can have the Spirit of God 
talking Bible, talking comfort, yielded to the Holy Spirit and following his prodding and filled with him and overflowing. It can also be the spirit of a devil. Get thee behind me, Satan, not an offense unto me. You, you, you purposefully, not accidentally, spirit of a man, you purposefully lie, twist the truth, deceive, distort the truth, that's demonic. You purposefully try to hurt somebody and undermine them because you've got an envious, jealous, mean, nasty spirit and you purposefully try to cut them and that's demonic. Trying to attack somebody that's the body of Jesus Christ, you can speak many different kind of voices in the world. And sometimes people speaking to you may be speaking from a demonic spirit. Think about that. Just make sure it's not you. That's the one speaking under the influence of a wrong kind of spirit because you can. I'm saved. I can. <laughs> you don't know your Bible. You don't understand the circumcision of the spirit. You don't understand all that stuff. You absolutely can speak by a false spirit, by an ungodly spirit. I had somebody tell me one time, I never lied to you after, after deceiving me for years. I never lied to you. I said... Oh, yeah, you got me on a technicality, didn't you? He looked at me. I said, you deceived me, and you know you deceived me. You didn't lie. You deceived me. What's the difference? Don't be deceptive. Don't be a liar. Don't be using the work of God for yourself, to promote yourself, because there's a short step from that like, that's all the flesh. Really appreciated that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You, know, you ever see somebody that's just performing up there, you know, and you're just like, you some of these southern gospel. All about Jesus, isn't it? It's just all about Jesus. Right. Nauseating. There's a short step between using God's work for yourself and using it for the devil. He'll make a breach right there. And once he gets you in the flesh like that, he can start moving. And before long, these guys wind up in false doctrine. That's why the old-time preachers always warned us. They said it'll start in the music. And once he gets into the music, because it, it's a way the flesh gets in, from there you watch them start compromising doctrine. The Bible will go before long. It goes from the spirit of a man in the music to the devil getting in there and bringing that thing down. And when the Bible doctrine goes down, the music goes down. It goes from a spirit of a man's music, from God's music to a man's music to the devil's music. And there is three different genres, just so you know. I know a lot of guys don't think there is. They think it's just spiritual and everything else is on the other side. But the devil's way too smooth and tricky for that. He has to have a gray area. He has to have an area that's innocent in order to get you to the other side. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So please keep that in your understanding and let's wrap this up. So he's talked about there being kinds of vo- different kinds of voices, but they're pointless when they can't be understood. Verse 12. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, I know you want to do some things for God, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. You really want to do something for God, help somebody else out. Build somebody else up. Do something that helps and profits everybody else and not yourself. Now you're doing something for God. 
Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So if that's what you got, then ask God to give you the ability to interpret that tongue so that you can help somebody with it. See how balanced Paul is, how nice he is? Bible believers could learn a lot from Paul. We could reach a lot more people if we were just a little bit more balanced and gentle sometimes. For, I pray, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, this is that guy that I gave you the illustration about already. My spirit prayeth. Notice he did not say the Holy Spirit prayeth. See the small s? We just covered this. That's why I wanted you to notice. That's why I went over that. But my understanding is unfruitful. So what he's saying is, I, I'm praying in the Spirit. I feel good. I made myself feel better, but I can't take anything that just happened and help anybody else with it. There's no fruit from what, whatever happened in me that I feel so good about. There's no fruit from it to help anybody else with. Got it? Hope that's as clear as mud. Verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? So listen, people come in that don't know what it is. They're saved He just said unlearned. He didn't say lost. The unlearned. They don't know what it is, but they sure enough know what it ain't. Like your your gut instinct, you're like, yeah, something, it ain't here. Something's wrong. Something's missing. But then they walk in, never having been taught before, and they sit down, and they get some clear Bible. They get somebody really just trying to help them and minister to them, somebody that doesn't really care about their own promotion and fame and recognition and who talks about them and who doesn't, who their friends are and who they are and how important they are and what their status is. Just, just trying to really help you, me and you, just trying to help you. And they're going, oh, oh, oh. When you give people truth that want truth, it's, this, it's bells and whistles and light balls and clicks, man. The Holy Spirit of God just makes it, makes it just pop for them. And that's what he's saying. So verse number uh, 17 and so they say, Amen, if I get, they get it, they understand. Verse 17, for thou verily givest thanks well, but the other's not edified. So Paul's not beating them up. He's saying, listen, when you're, when you're giving thanks in an unknown tongue and doing your own thing between you and God, you're doing great. Nobody else is getting help. So what's the point? What really is the fruit? You're not going to get any fruit out of it yourself. You just have a nice feeling. That's the feeling-based religion. It gets nowhere. Verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. Hey, by the way, Paul did speak multiple languages. Verse 18, verse 19, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He said, I'd rather get up and say, God is good. Trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Have faith in God. I'd rather get up and say five words that make sense than 10,000 blabbering foolishness that makes no sense at all. Verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit, in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. You know what I like about kids? In malice... A kid ain't like an adult. They don't hold stuff against you and try to get even with you. And they, they have their little fights and then they're over it, right? 
me and me and my buddies when we were little, a couple of my cousins I was pretty close to, and man, we'd have horrible fights. I mean, we just one second we hated each other, but we were best friends. We always just kind of got over it, and we were best friends again. You know, that's that's really how we should be, but not an understanding. He said, an understanding, be men. You know what he just did? He just took a pretty hard shot at all these people that are all about speaking in tongues. You know what he said? If you're all about yourself in the ministry, if you're all about yourself at church, if you're all about promoting yourself, making yourself feel better and doing what's best for you, you're a baby. You don't get it. You're not ready. You're not even close to ready. You don't understand what it's all about because it ain't about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's about everybody else. So I'd rather have a gift that can benefit the body than a gift that makes me feel good. Because that's the kind of gift the Lord wants us to have. That's the kind of gift he uses. And that's the kind of gift that when you get to the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, you're going to have a pile up there. And can I just say, honestly, even though it's a harder way to go, while you're here, it's a much better way to go. It's frustrating, though. Because it won't suit your ego. It won't come in your time. It won't look like you want it to look. It won't be what you want it to be. But in time, it'll be a thousand times better. To invest your life into helping somebody else and not yourself all the time. Instead, at some point in your Christian walk, you got to stop being a child and you got to start trying to help somebody else out who's weaker, newer, and less learned than you are. And man, I'm telling you, when you get there in, in the right way with the right spirit, it's a blessing, man. And it pleases God. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed.